When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Presented here is a free teaser for this month's edition of the Top Rope Nation Classics Patreon bonus podcast. Every single month, we release a deep dive on a classic wrestling event as voted on by our supporters on Patreon. It's a true historical deep dive. The only place to hear these shows in full? Join the Patreon page for just $5 per month. The link is right here in the podcast description. Patreon is the best way to support the show. We are confident you will enjoy the content we're offering, all the bonus content over on Patreon. So click that link in the episode description and read all about it over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Nation and enjoy this special free preview. What's going on, everybody? The 29th edition of Top Rope Nation Classics on the air, our monthly bonus show here for our supporters on patreon.com slash Nation. And winning the poll this month was Spring Stampede 94. Now, I always say when we do these polls on Patreon and, you know, all of our patrons vote and the winning show is what we review here on the podcast, I always say, we don't try to stack the deck. Sometimes we encourage which way we want you to go, but we'll, you know, we'll go with whatever wins the poll. And as proof of that, last year when we did our April show, we were heavily pushing for this one and it did not win the poll. So we had to set it back a year, but it did win this year. So we're here to talk about one of the great WCW pay-per-views of all time, Kyle Ross. I know this is the one that you had really wanted to do. Kyle works those poles like strippers. I tell, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm fired up to do this. You said it. One of the best WCW pay-per-views of all time. And I think um, there's some interesting stuff to talk about. If people have never seen this before, they absolutely should. But we were, oh, goodness. Was it on the watch-along last week we were talking about this? Or was it on the mm-hmm. flagship that this show has almost kind of an AEW feel to it. And it was obviously, you know, the times were a change in, as Bob Dylan's saying, uh, for WCW as well, as we'll get into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were talking uh, on Friday night on our playback watch along. And I guess I'll just mention it now because we were talking about when did we first watch the show? And I knew that I had got it in a tape trade, probably late 90s was the first time I saw this event that I remember. And then I had converted my VHS dubbed copy to a DVD, and I even printed out a custom 
like cover for it. If you could see it here on the the stream. So I got the, you know, I went, I got real fancy on this one because I like the show so much. And so I haven't watched it much, I would say, in the last 15 years. So it was fun to revisit it. Uh, hadn't seen it in a long, long time, but obviously I really liked it when I when I first saw it. Justin Joint, do you remember the first time you saw Spring Stampede 94? Yes, I do. It was two days ago. Oh, there we go. Oh, <laughs> I had Fresh never seen Yeah. Uh, wow. 93 uh, through 95 WCW is a huge uh, dark spot in, in my wrestling fandom. I, I will say two of those years, you are not missing much. Quite frankly, most of the three years, you're not missing much, with the exception of like the first couple months of 93 and then the spring of 94, like we're going to talk about. And just to double back to the patrons who you referenced, Ryan, I would personally like to thank them because we have started 2022, the year of our Lord, with four very fine selections, 92 Rumble, Chi-Town Rumble 89, WrestleMania 3, those are all in the archive. Go back and listen to them, and now we're about to add Spring Stampede 94. Yeah, May is going to be an oddball month. Stay <laughs> tuned at the end of the show as I have some news yeah, that now I, you guys don't even know. That I'm dude, I, I have no clue what's going to win the May poll or even be nominated. It's going to mm-hmm. be very interesting to see because, yeah, I have no idea. No idea at all. So, Justin, you just saw this then for the first time. Kyle, you've seen it many times. Do you remember the very first time you saw it? Yeah, it wouldn't have been that long after, I don't think, that I saw it. I own the Master VHS. Um, I bought it, uh, like, I don't know if it was Sam Goody or one of those shitty mall stores that, you know, they were so overpriced. But you're like, oh, you know, I got it for, yeah. I I was a big fan of WCW at this time. Correct correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but we've talked before, like, a lot of this older stuff, especially this early to mid nineties, maybe even late eighties. Uh, we would have to rent a lot of those from our local place, but I don't believe any of the places that I frequented had any WCW pay-per-views to rent. The blockbuster closest to me had a couple, but not many. I think they had like uncensored 95. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, a couple of them from like the NWO era. Were, the, were, like, the, were, were those war criminals that operated that blockbuster? <laughs> I, even, I even remember. I vividly remember renting it. Um, they definitely didn't have this one. Yeah, I I remember like the first time I actually saw it. Sam Goody, a uh, WCW VHS. I was shocked. It was Bash of the Beach '96. Obviously, a massive show, and I bought it. But yeah, you, you, we didn't tend to see him around very often. But- it, it was not Sam Goody. I'm positive it wasn't Sam Goody. Greg, if you're listening. FYE. Y- yes, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, I this, I would agree with Justin, though. This is a it's a dark period for me, too. I, I still haven't seen a lot of the events from that era. You know, like storyline wise takes a little research. Uh, I got five pages of notes for this, so I am, I am ready to go. You know, sometimes I can skim by in the notes because I remember the events so much. Sometimes I just get into it and I just start typing. This one's somewhere in the middle, but yeah, five pages of notes. There's a lot. There is so much going on in the wrestling world at the time. Um, before we get to that, as we always do, you know, state of your fandom uh, in early 1994, Kyle Ross. Quite frankly, I was loving pro wrestling still in early 1994. Um, in the Facebook group last month, 
March, as we sauntered through the history of WrestleMania, I brought up uh, when discussing WrestleMania 10, which obviously occurred one month, basically one month before this show, that I was so desperate for my parents to order it on pay-per-view that they made a deal with me that if I got straight A's, they would order it for me. I never, They had never ordered a WWE pay-per-view for me before or any pay-per-view. And I got straight A's. And they yeah. got WrestleMania 10. So I, I was loving wrestling, and I was regularly into WCW during this period for the first time. We had a TV in the basement that had cable, so that helped. Um, and they shock you here and agree with Eric Bischoff on something. The pro- We all know and have maligned the Disney tapings, Right. Because they taped so far in advance. It was business exposing. Yeah, there you go. I love it. Got my WCW Disney crew t-shirt on. <laughs> you know, you go. They're taping results three months in advance or whatever. It would get worse after this. But there was a production upgrade. And WCW looked better during this time period. And that's, I know, something Bischoff has hit on in his book and subsequently. And he's... He's honestly not wrong if you're a kid. And, you know, we make fun of some of these people probably now with WWE and their production, people who latch onto it. But I thought WCW, it just looked brighter. Um, And, you know, obviously (laughs) with Hogan coming in very shortly, big things were on the horizon. This promotion was turning a corner. Yeah. Justin, what about you? State of the fandom. Uh, we've talked about it before, but basically heading into the fall of 92, I was slowly falling out of wrestling. Uh, I had a, I kind of definitely stopped watching by the end of 92. Uh, I had a buddy who would still get the, uh, WWF magazines. And I remember flipping through and looking at the results of WrestleMania nine and completely stopped following wrestling after seeing (laughs) what they did to Brett. Um, And so I was out completely then and didn't come back until uh, leading into WrestleMania 12. So you didn't watch WrestleMania 10 live? No, no. Didn't didn't see that until years and years later. My God. Same. I was kind of out at this point too. I mean, watching here and there and not following it religiously. I don't remember any of my friends talking about wrestling at school during this period until early the next school year. And that's when like school just started in, in August of 94. I think I've told the story in the show before, but one of my friends was going to the clash of the champions. It was in Cedar Rapids that August. And I remember everyone at school on the playground, I would have been fifth grade, you know, talking about that event. And I was begging my friend to take me cause he had an extra ticket. He didn't, he took somebody else, but Bastard. I remember watching that. Yeah. I remember watching that event live that night. Just the, the fact that it was an hour away, you know, drew in a lot of people. But yeah, earlier 94, 93, I just don't remember a lot of conversations happening at school with my friends about wrestling. And I was kind of definitely more out than in during this period of time. Live from Chicago's Rosemont Horizon, it's World Championship Wrestling's Spring Stampede. Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, a capacity crowd. Championship Wrestling. So it is today the All State Arena 
the Rosemont Horizon. They got 12,200 fans in there, 9,000 paid, a gate of over $125,000, according to the Wrestling Observer newsletter. This show did a 0.53 pay-per-view buy rate, which equated to, according to Chris Harrington and WrestleNomics, about 115 thousand buys on pay-per-view which is roughly pretty much where they had been for a while uh throughout 93 and 94 they're pretty much hovering right around 100,000 buys now obviously that would change when hogan comes into the promotion bash at the beach 94 did about double that 225,000 buys and it had to uh yeah. go up exponentially with hogan because that contract he signed was the most insane contract ever signed up until that point in wrestling history, only topped by his subsequent contracts with WCW, where he was drawing percentages of the gate, merch, ever, merchandising. It was totally insane what Hogan yeah. was getting. So they needed to uh, jump up from what they were doing. And this show, it didn't do great on pay-per-view, but the house was nice. Those numbers yes. you went through, this, uh, I think Meltzer said it was the biggest house they'd done since the 90 Great American Bash. Correct, in Baltimore. Uh, it was like triple the attendance they had been doing for most of their pay-per-views at the time. Uh, WCW didn't run the Rosemont Horizon. It was a WWF building for years and years and years. Uh, but behind the scenes, WCW had gotten a couple of promoters, a guy by the name of Barry Fox from Chicago, to jump from the WWF to WCW. And this is the same time Zane Bresloff did as well. We talked about Zane Bresloff last month on our WrestleMania 3 podcast and talking about the at- yep. attendance of all that. I will never forget that it has been lost to time, this interview. When somebody I know, a dear friend of mine, and I interviewed Eric Bischoff when he had released <laughs> his book. And that dear friend of mine started the interview and said, I have one question for you, Eric. Why was then Zane Bresloff not mentioned in your book? And my jaw hit the ground. i would love to hear this interview i wonder if liam has that one saved i think he does i might have to ask for that one yeah (laughs) why was zane bresloff not in your book (laughs) (laughs) this this was huge though i mean for wcw to run the rosemont horizon there had been at that point in time one wrestlemania there before wcw uh running the uic pavilion i mean check out Check out the archive here on Patreon because we recently did Chi-Town Rumble as well. And Chi-Town Rumble 89, Flair Steamboat, of course, as well. That was at the UIC Pavilion. This is a much bigger building. And like you said, the largest attendance and gate since the Great American Bash in 1990. And actually, this this has really stood out to me. Uh, Spring Stampede 94 outdrew the WWF house show in late 91 that featured Hogan and Flair. That show did 8,000 paid at the Rosemont Horizon. Spring State and P94, 9,000 paid. They outdrew the first Hogan Flair match in the Chicago market. Yeah, Liam and I talked about that one. That was a major disappointment, one of several mm-hmm. uh, with Hogan and Flair. But I think that was one of the biggest, you know, I mean, because Ho- both guys were big in Chicago for so many years. And for them to only do 8,000 paid was, woo, yeah. not good. 91 WWF. So. As they welcome us to the show, I think it was Gene Okerlund uh, talking about the home of the Bears. Or was it Tony? I can't remember. They say the home of the Bears. It was everybody. My God, this is what WCW had like (laughs) 8,000 announcers. They were paying exorbitant amount of money, so they all had to get on the show. Yeah. 
I think it's Gene at the very beginning. He says, the home of the Bears, the Bulls, the Blackhawks. I guess Gene's not a baseball fan because they don't mention the Cubs <laughs> or the White Sox. And we go to Aaron Neville, noted wrestling fan, yes. uh, great singer, and a good friend of Brett the Hitman Hearts, by the way. If you guys didn't know that. Big he sings this too. Yeah, he sings the national anthem. Dude, he looks like a wrestler. He's sitting out there at ringside for a lot of this show as well, right by the announce position. Looks like he'd jump in the ring at any moment in time. Yeah. So, yeah, Aaron Neville singing the national anthem. Then we go to Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan at ringside. Uh, Bobby talks about how he can't wait to see Flair take Steamboat apart. There's, of course, a weasel chant. And we go to the opening match. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold hold on. on. Wait, wait. Uh... There's the opening uh, brief promo package to start the show that I thought was oh, fantastic. Oh, rewind a couple of segments. The intro yeah, video, yes. Yeah, well, just because uh, it just very briefly went over every match on the card and gave a quick reason for that match happening, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a thousand times better than what WWE does today, having five-minute promo videos before every single match on a card. Yes. Hold that thought because I'm going to come back to it later in the show. Please remind me to come back to it. Because yes. showing just the angles coupled with pre-match promos.